college basketball fans how you doing here in late october we are within a month to the start of the bouncing ball i am timmy hall he is evil bald colin cb what up timmy we are under a month until the ball tips up in the dakotas how are you doing well just can't wait I just can't wait to watch the Buckeyes, to watch the rest of these Big Ten programs. Just, you know us. We're, we're excited about everything. What aren't we excited about with college basketball? There's over 300 teams to keep our eyes on to see how the march towards March Madness and whatever an NCAA tournament might look like. It begins November 25th. Yeah, and it's going to look a lot different for every single conference, it seems like. Some going conference only, some doing some MTEs. Uh, whatever it's going to be, we're going to start figuring it out more and more as we go on because at this point, it seems like the NCAA, even themselves, don't even know how they're going to approach it yet. But I can't wait to see what they decide to do. Well, everybody, sit back, relax, enjoy this 26th episode of Mad About Hoops as we get closer to the season. We've got the Zags and some mid-major talk on the docket. We've got a devastating injury for EBC to talk about. We've got Coach K screaming. We got a famous coach in the crosshairs. And I have prepared a special fun game for you guys and for Evil to try to play. And I think he's going to do pretty well. It's actually an, op- an opinion based game. So we'll see where he goes. And we'll, he is the purveyor of all things mid majors. So uh, that's, that's the genre of this game. So I can't wait for that. It is all coming up. This is Mad About Hoops. Five to go. Lewis has been awesome. Let's it go. Inbounds Turner, left side of the backboard. Turner crossed the timeline, throws it from high on the right. He He hit it just inside of half court. Lane's on the other wing. Bang. Oh. 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 Send it in, Jerome. We are under a month until that ball gets tipped for the college basketball slate. This is Colin Berenger, Evil Ball Colin, next to my partner, or actually virtually next to my partner, Tim Hall. Timmy, how are you doing today? I'm great, man. Uh, you know, there, there's so much to dive into. We'll we'll do some more podcasts here as we get closer to the season. I know you will particularly look forward to a Big East preview You and I, uh, for some reason, just big fans of uh, the Big East. Maybe it's because they don't have football programs, and this is what they do. Well, it's it's not just that. It's just it feels like for a majority of the conference, the power is kind of shifting from from the top of the pyramid to the bottom in terms of teams that were at the bottom are starting to move up. Teams at the top are moving to the bottom, but one mainstay is always Villanova at the top. You know, and a notion that lived in my head is that if you are in the Big East, you are not a mid-major, but... As you scan the entire conference, maybe there's a couple th- where we can have the discussion, and there might yeah, be one yeah. or two. There might be one or two that's in the little game that we'll play later on in the pod in mid-major or not a mid-major. But evil, uh, it's it's your bread and butter. The little guys, uh, who doesn't love them, right? I mean, UMBC knocking off of Virginia, anything like that. We're all here for it. Another 16 is going to be to one. I think it's going to happen. I think I stated on this pod within five years. So 
Now that's within four years. But does it count, though? We didn't even have a tournament. So I should still get the next five NCAA tournaments for that to happen. Yeah. We'll see. Real quick on that. I I think the recipe for that to happen and for your prediction to come true is if it's a team that's very defensive like Virginia or it's going to be a team that lives and dies by the three. I think that's what it's going to require to have that happen anytime soon. And that's okay. And that's okay because – some of those guys really become great shooters. Yes. You get you get some sharpshooters. The the way that the athletes are built at that level, they're not the guys that are going to be dunking in your face, but they get finely tuned throughout the years. They develop. They can become uh, pretty good defenders. They can become pretty good passers, guys with good court vision and high hoops IQ. And that's shooting touch. <laughs> they just they find those kids that shoot a lot in the driveways, but maybe they don't have the overall goods to go to a Duke or a Carolina or the big conferences. So it's what I love about that level. But maybe uh, maybe the ultimate mid-major, maybe it's not a mid-major, we'll find out, is the Zags. And uh, I don't know, man. It, it's always so fascinating. It's always so fun to talk about Gonzaga basketball because who hasn't had at least you know a chunk of their college basketball loving life where they were, you know, Fans, if not diehard fans, of what these guys started to do. You hear about the kennel. You hear about, wait, where are they from? They're not even from Seattle. These guys are what, in Spokane, Washington? Little tiny town in eastern Washington? How are they getting these recruits there? Who's this coach? Where'd this Mark Few come from? 20 years later, and they just they make every single NCAA tournament. They make every single one, and they come from one of the tiniest conferences that there is. And they have even sparked the rise of a St. Mary's. I I truly believe that. It's because Gonzaga has been so good that another program in that conference has started to rise to national prominence. But uh, evil. If Gonzaga can't win a national title with that team they put out on the floor a couple years ago, the one that lost in the title game, or say with the team that they're going to have this year, when? When will it be? Do we hold Mark Few accountable for not winning a national championship? I think you can hold him accountable, and I didn't like that game when it happened because I thought North Carolina matched up really well with what Gonzaga really wanted to do. They had the They're guards. Really good. They had the guards to play on the perimeter, and they had the big men down low to match up with them. Uh, that's what pretty much Gonzaga's identity has been: is have big men in the post that can control the post, and have wings and shooters out around the perimeter. That's really what they want to do. Unfortunately, North Carolina matched up well, like I said. I don't think this is a case where is a when or or, or an if. It's going to be a when. I think it's a when will they win one, not an if. I really... I don't know if I'm there with you. And one one of the reasons is the oldest reason in the book. It's that it's one of the most difficult things to accomplish in sports. And... That's why uh, my the answer to my own question there is Mark Few has sort of this special carte blanche that not many coaches in sports get to have. I think it's – I wouldn't even say that he's become his own worst enemy because the success that he has built at that program has to be beyond anyone's wildest dreams. And the fact that he is here and the fact that they live in March Madness, it's not even a question. Like, will they miss a tournament? They don't ever have that downtick. And part of it is the schedule that they have because they've got the recruiting base up and running that they can dominate. He's he's never at risk for 
shoot, a, a Roy Williams type of season last year. You know what I'm saying? Like, they can't miss the tournament with the way that he is. He just has to keep getting them to the second weekend. That's really his floor for me. And that he struggled with that at times, and I criticize him for that. But not winning a title, that's tough. Like, ultimately, he'll be – his legacy – will be what it is. If he doesn't win one, he'll be the great coach that turned around Gonzaga. It would do wonders if he can, but if we talk about, like, would they ever move on from him, or should they? The answer to me is no. No, absolutely not. He's built that up, and and you shouldn't touch him. Think about this past year where we've been talking about, or at the time we were talking about, this is probably one of the better times this conference has ever been that they're in, and probably modern history since their rise to the level where they've been, where we're talking about you know, even a San Francisco or a Santa Clara were pretty decent and they were challenging teams and they played them pretty close at times. And then obviously you have BYU and you had St. Mary's you're talking about. But at the same time, they were still dominating this conference even in one of the better years that they've had in recent memory. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, like you said, they're not going away anytime soon, as long as Fuse there at least. I think one of the differences in why I'm confident it's a when and not an if is that, A, they're taking their recruiting up to an even higher level than I thought Gonzaga could do at some point. Then They just got this top 10 player in Jalen Suggs that we're talking about. It's not just overseas players that have high potential anymore. He's now getting the top recruits in America, which is very, very important to making a run in that tournament. So I pretty much co-sign everything you say. Yes, the conference overall has been down, and it's going to probably dip back down here for the next couple of years, but they really can only handle what's in front of them. They can recruit, which is what they can do, and they can schedule a tough non-conference, which they were doing at a point until it was taken away from them. And you know what? I I do want to stick with my rule. I'm rooting for Gonzaga to get this thing done, but more often than not, they don't reach that pinnacle or they don't reach that plateau of making it to the final four. So it's always, I don't know about you, one of my bracket-filling-out rules to not advance them. You know, they, <laughs> they can so grab these one seeds. I just don't do it, you know? I, I want them to break through that mold, but I haven't seen it enough, so I don't do it. It's just so hard because we always base, and I think when you're filling out a bracket, the biggest thing that sticks in your mind is what have they done recently? How hot are they? Who have they been playing recently? And how well have they been playing? The problem is, is that they play the toughest games of the year within the first five seven games of the season. They sure do. They're playing neutral site. they hibernate, right? They're They're like a bear. Yeah, they're playing neutral site games, and then you won't see them until like a late-night ESPN game at around 10 o'clock. Like, that's just how it is. So people don't get the exposure to Gonzaga all year round. They get it until about mid-December, and then they go away. So I think that's kind of like an internal thing for everybody. We kind of get nervous when we're saying, okay, well, I got Gonzaga in the Elite Eight. I got them in the Final Four. Oh, no. I don't know if I feel comfortable with this. And it's kind of how I felt for a few years when Wichita State was at that premium oh, level and you didn't Shockers. really know how far you wanted them to go because it felt like at any point they could just collapse and they could ruin your bracket. God, remember that year when the Shockers lost one? They lost one game? I remember because I had them going pretty – actually, I had them losing earlier, earlier than most people had them losing, but they still lost even earlier than that. Well, I mean, that Kentucky game – was like a Final Four, maybe even a championship caliber game that they had to play in the second round. But back to Gonzaga. See, I'm looking at Mark Few's sheet now. I yelled at him back in 2014, and that was because he didn't get out of the round of 32 
for five straight years. Now, that wasn't good enough. When you're dominating your conference and you're winning 28 to 32 games every season, but since 2014-15, he's gone Elite Eight, Sweet 16, National Championship runner-up, Sweet 16, Elite Eight, and then last year's 31-2 and team didn't even get to play in a tournament, and you know that they were going to go at least the Sweet 16, likely another Final Four trip. So... That's where we are with Gonzaga basketball. And you said the guy's name, Jalen Suggs, Jalen Suggs, Jalen Suggs. A newcomer, look out for him. Corey Kispert is back. I'll, uh, I'll point you in the direction of this, this great article that the folks at ESPN just unleashed. And it's just uh, it's an all-encompassing look at the mid-majors. It's called Mid-Major 2020-21 Predictions. Gonzaga transcends labels, can win the title. Guys like Myron Medcalf, Jeff Borzello, uh, Gassaway, Lenardi, they all log some picks. Uh, by the way, uh, everyone. This is this is all mid majors too, not just their conference. Every single one of these guys picked Jalen Suggs as the newcomer of the year for all mid majors. And you had Medcalf went Isaiah Miller for UNCG, the Spartans out there in North Carolina for a player of the year. Uh, Borzello logged to Corey Kispert. Gassaway picked uh, Marion Jackson for Toledo for the Rockets. That's cool. And then Lenard Dog, a Jalen Crutcher pick for our Dayton Flyers. I love it, man. That guy's going to have to go off for probably about 20-plus points a game. He's going to have to to carry that with him and E.B. Watson. They're going to have to carry that offense, but he's more than capable of doing it. Before we leave the mid-major discussion and get to some coach talk, because we got two famous college basketball coaches to discuss here uh, this afternoon, Tell them why you are devastated on the mid-major flavor front. What's what's going on here that's got you upset? Yeah, it seems like every year we pick, or this is now our second year, we pick a mid-major team that we just fall in love with and we can't stop talking about. And, you know, as the summer went on, we started more and more to talk about this Richmond team and how they were bringing back, I think, the only team in the country that was bringing back every single player from last season. And they had their whole entire starting five. I think all of them averaged double digits. And probably their best player, Nick Sherrod, got hurt. He's a kind of a like a tweener between a guard and forward. He's about 6'4". He's kind of the slasher scorer type, but can shoot from three. It hurts their chances of winning the A-10 a little bit, but they're still in the mix. Originally, they would have been the clear-cut favorite, but now it's kind of in between. I, between them and St. Louis, but I still love them. We're, we're going to love them. We're going to talk about them a bunch, but it definitely hurts. Nick Sherrod, that sucks, man. We we never – it doesn't matter if you hate the team with all of your heart. You never want to see someone lose one of their key guys. I would want Grayson Allen to be with Duke all the way. If, if me being a Jayhawk alum says anything, I don't want to play a team that's down one of their key guys. You want to beat those guys with their best, at their best. That's how you would want to advance. And at the lower level here, same goes for Richmond Spiders. Man, it, it's they got one of the coolest nicknames in all of college basketball. God, you remember the year where VCU went to the Final Four? I think that was Chris Mooney's best run through a tournament as well. I think the city of Richmond had two teams in the Sweet 16, and then VCU just cast a shadow I believe, over them yeah, twenty eleven. the Final Four. 2011, right? That sounds about yeah, right. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, and other than that year, Mooney has not been able to get to a lot of tournaments. And we know 
we know what our guy uh, Shaka Smart did. He parlayed that into a, a bigger gig. I thought he was going to go bigger than just Texas. Yeah. I thought he was. We've had our discussions on how that's going to go. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's not going so well for our guy Shaka Smart and the 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 havoc style of a defense that he made famous there with the Rams. And the but, coldest take yeah. I've ever had that he's going to lose that job and then go and take the date and one. <laughs> Well, hey, it's not all that cold because <laughs> losing the job is something that's probably yeah, going right, to happen. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Half of it's going to work out, but the second part is definitely not. Anthony Grant's got a stranglehold on that job, and he's already got two top 50 recruits committed for the next class. He's on a roll, man. Man, man. I hope Richmond can can overcome this because you mentioned they bring everybody back. Uh, it, that's incredible. I'm looking at Jacob Gilliard. 13 points per game. Blake Francis, their other guard, 17.7 points per game. So he's the leading scorer. Nick Sherrod averaged about 13, five boards, a couple of assists, a steal. He was a do-everything. Uh, like, just a – we love GFs, right? Little G slash F, the guys that are just all over the floor. He was that dude for him. And Grant Golden, their big guy, 6'10", 14 uh, a game and seven rebounds, three and a half assists. So – Hopefully they're still up at the top of the eight. They will still be up at the top of the eight. Oh, for sure. It's fighting for. I, that. I told you before we came on. It's gonna be. They're gonna be in the mix. St. Louis will be there. Rhode Island's got a little bit of an outside chance. Remember, they had those transfers in from Maryland. The Twins. I forget the. Is it the Mitchell Twins or something like that? Um, mm, but I don't know. They're big. I forget their names. Besides the point, they got the Twins from Maryland that transfer in. I think they can play right away. And then Dayton. You can never count Dayton out, especially with the guys I already mentioned, Eb Watson. And uh, Jalen Crutcher. I got to find those twins here. As we take a uh, a quick pause, we'll have that mid-major game, mid-major or not a major, at the end of the podcast. But we'll uh, we'll take a quick breather and talk about two college basketball head coaches, both very famous, both in the news for completely different reasons. That's next. It's Mad About Hoops. All right, Timmy, if I gave you about uh, four or five guesses, do you think you could guess who just got recently in trouble with the NCAA? Supposedly. Allegedly. Could it be somebody that was probed? A lot of probing going on no, out there. I know, he's, you, I know he's been probed you love a lot. that sort of thing. He, he's been probed been a lot. Probed. <laughs> yeah. Give him the ultimate probe. Just go all the way in. Well, really let him feel it. As we've learned, nothing ever comes out of the probes, but probes nonetheless. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, Timmy, oh, yeah. our guy, Sean Miller, is in some hot water. Maybe. Wink, wink. What the, the photo, I can just see it in my mind of him on the sideline in that NCAA tournament game, and he's sweating through what the shirt. Gross dude. Not even seven minutes into the game. Yeah, that's you nasty. Know, quick quick sidebar before you start yelling about Sean Miller and what, <laughs> what's out there about him. I, You know how you always have like these ideas, right? Ideas float through your mind, but guys like you and me, we don't have we don't have like venture capitalists in our pocket. We don't have any business smarts to like do anything serious. Like we wouldn't even think to go and register a trademark or even like get a an, an IP address or something like that. I don't even know if that's the right term, IP address or just website address. But I once had the idea for the dry fit style of dress shirt. Oh, I'm really? telling you. Like, this will sound so stupid now to everyone listening. Like, oh, yeah, sure, that was your idea. No, I swear to God. And it was mainly because of guys like Sean Miller, but he wasn't the only one. There's been several college basketball coaches. I've never from my life understood why they have to be dressed up to the 10s to coach an athletic game like basketball. 
the players are wearing gym shorts and a tank top, and they have to wear dress shoes, suits, oftentimes three-piece suits. So I was wondering why we couldn't have like a uh, Under Armour type of material, but still in a nice dress shirt. And now look at Phil Mickelson and these Mizzen and Main guys. I even bought a Mizzen and Main shirt because I love the concept so much. It's the most comfortable dress shirt I've ever worn in my life. So there you go. That was my one idea that just was a great one, and someone else clearly took it and ran with it, and they're making millions. Yeah, that's millions awesome. Millions of dollars. All right, so pretty much the information, kind of your uh, Spark Notes version of this, because, I mean, we have the allegations, but we don't really have details necessarily behind what is it about, but the university itself... Oh, we had a bunch of details. Well, we <laughs> they did. Were, they were there. You just got to draw the conclusions, yes. But a notice of allegations for Arizona, about nine of them exactly from the, the Category 1, the Level 1 violations, which is the toughest ones or the uh, the worst ones you could even conjure up. But that spans across a couple of different programs. It's unsure how many are actually towards the men's basketball program itself. But among many, the the, uh, definitions is a lack of institutional control and failure to monitor by the university. Um, I think this has this has got to go back to the Aiton stuff, correct? Of course it is. It's DeAndre Aiton. It's about Sean Miller and Arizona straight up paying him. And, And the thing that they have here, Evil, is. You have got an assistant coach from Arizona that pleaded guilty in this whole case. Emmanuel Book Richardson, remember? Mm -hmm. Former assistant pleaded guilty for a role in the federal bribery case. A felony count of conspiracy to commit bribery. I mean, he was accused of accepting 20 grand to steer certain Wildcats players to certain managers. And then Christian Dawkins, he is one of those aspiring managers that was all up in this federal probe as well. So, I mean, they've got wiretaps. They've got stuff. I, I just don't understand it, man. Like, the, that you're the head coach of a program who had a guy plead guilty in this case. And there's been others, too. And we, we can look at uh, Bill Self and the Jayhawks. There wasn't an assistant coach who had to take a fall with Kansas, but – the evidence that they have against you know the payments to players and to just sit back and say, oops, I don't know anything about it. Not my responsibility to go with the Rick Patino excuse and everything like that. <laughs> At least Rick, Rick's the only one that had to take a fall. That exactly. Had to pay the piper. Nobody else. I, man, for a guy that's won national championships and he's won more than, than Bill Self has, what man, what did Rick Patino do to the people in charge? To I, I'm not going to take a swipe at your boy Self. But um, just just these coaches in general in this current era of college basketball, for some reason, are not receiving any pushback on blatant cheating. Like it's, I don't know. I was young when it happened. With back it's the Wild when, West. I was young when it happened. Ha- back, back when uh, Jim O'Brien back here was, uh, I even forget the name of the player, Sasha Pavlicek, I believe his name, or Sasha something. But back in like 2002 to 2003, there was a scandal here. Uh, Ohio State was oh, barred yeah, from the, the NCAA the tournament. That, the one that took away a Final Four. Uh, no, actually, a different one. <laughs> oh no, um, the, the later one. Uh, Not yeah. No, I think you're technically right. No, I'm getting my stuff mixed up. Um, but yeah, no, we saw swift action there. Took it down. They got that Final Four taken away, and then they also were barred from the NCAA tournament for the one year where they actually uh, upset Illinois in that big game at the final, the final game of the year. Um, 
But it, it's just it's really frustrating for me, and I, I I can group Will Wade into this conversation too. It's just the blatant cheating. You get the violations and whatnot, and then it's just like we don't hear anything else. Like we always hear the violations, the notice of allegations come out, and then you never hear anything else. Like it, it's just so weird. I don't know if we're not following it up enough, but something's fishy about that. I, I don't fully understand what it is, though. Yeah, it's it's just an inability, and the NCAA just seems to just operate so slow through all of this. You know what I mean? And it's just base it's just baseline circumventing the rules at its core. Like, yep. get, gather enough. You're the NCAA, right? So I know, like, we talk about subpoena power and things like this, and what do they have the ability to do. This is where this is where they fail, right? Where they don't need to have to spend so much time getting involved in, like, federal investigations and cases like that. You simply need to have a clear, cut-and-dry rule book that states what is cheating, what isn't, and if you are a member, an NCAA member, and you are – playing in division one basketball you're underneath that umbrella and if they have strong suspicion that you cheated maybe they don't even even need to have full-blown evidence just strong suspicion they have the interviews and everything and then they make their call they make their call and then you have your chance to appeal you know one time with a with a third party judge or something like that and then we move on with our lives but instead the process has to be so slow it's painstaking and it takes forever and we as fans sit here and, and pour over this evidence that was done in a federal investigation. So it's almost like you've got professionals doing the work for you, right? <laughs> yeah. Making it easier in this case, and we still do nothing. And All right. we just kick back and laugh about it. I'm going to go through the definition of what constitutes a, or what comes with a level one violation. You just give me a quick reaction whether you think this happens or not to Sean Miller. So it inclu- these possible sanctions include a postseason ban. E... I'm going to say yes. That This one does happen. That's, loss, an, that's an easy one. Loss of scholarships? Definitely. Recruiting visit restrictions? Definitely. Fines? Yeah. Head coach suspension? Yeah, but a small one. And or a show cause penalty? That's big. I'm going to say he skirts that one. Yeah, I think that's and the that's one. The pro- and that's mm-hmm. the problem. I don't have faith that they will give him the hammer. I think the, the hammer. And then face it, the hammer should be he's done, right? I, I the hammer should be Arizona sacks up and lets him go. That's that's what should happen because it's embarrassing. It really is. You shouldn't just feel good about that kind of blatant cheating. Nobody should. No, I don't all. understand how it goes on at such great levels in American sports. I don't understand how you can sleep at night if you remember the Houston Astros. I don't know, Evil, is it just me? Like, don't you get so much more out of doing something naturally? Why? why? Uh, personally, yes, because I can't live with guilt. <laughs> so I, I I can't keep that on my conscience. So, yeah, I'm yeah. I'm the I mean, perfect person both, to ask that. Yeah, uh, yeah. We're, we're both au natural in many, many aspects <laughs> of our lives. Yeah. I just feel like it's either got to be the show cause penalty or the postseason ban that really, really kind of puts some substance behind a decision and really kind of gives Sean Miller the idea of like, hey, man, cut the crap out. Like, we're on top of you because I think the longer you let it linger, is the more possibilities of something like a Larry Brown situation where he goes everywhere and causes he leaves programs in peril because he does bad things at every place. 
And uh, evil to clear up some things that we we just brought up here recently. Were you talking about Boban, the former Ohio Boban State forward? Yes. Played, yeah. Did you say Sasha? Did you go with the I Sasha th- Pavlovich, the I old Utah Jazz? Is that I what you said? I think I did. Yeah. Sasha Pavlovich, who kind of came in there with Andre <laughs> Karolinko or guys like that yeah, with the Jazz. Yeah. Boban, yeah, was the guy who um, I'm seeing. Um, I should know this. I met agreement. him. As, I met him as a kid. I should have known this. It was it was like a nanny or someone from Ghana, yes, I know, wasn't it? Because I, I I know the that people, was paid I, like a thousand <laughs> bucks a month or something to take care of Boban. Yeah, or something I like I I, uh, I may or may Boban. not I may or may not have known some of the people involved. So personally, <laughs> so right, and you're right. That was Jim O'Brien and uh, God, what what the heck year was that? Yeah, because O'Brien was fired because I know eighth. 2004 from Ohio State. I know they had a postseason ban at one point. I I think it was that year where they up. Yeah, because I think that was the postseason ban was going into Thad's first year. And those those sanctions. There was another player that uh, that was tied up in some stuff as well. Okay. There were multiple things going on there, but that was all part of the great Michael Red Scooney Pen Final Four being vacated. So it was all part of that. It's always very interesting to go into like practice facilities of college programs that have had things happen to them. Like at Ohio State's beautiful new practice uh, center. And, and for folks that don't know like what they did, they've got the Schottenstein Center, which we are like here and there about. Well, we're not huge fans of it. But they built I'll say straight up, I don't, I don't like it. Right, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's gargantuan. They hardly ever fill it unless it's a huge game. It, it doesn't have like that that college hoops atmosphere that you and I love so much, like a, like a Hinkle Fieldhouse, far mm-hmm. cry from that. But the practice facility is amazing, and their office space is amazing. So they doubled down and poured money into it. And in the practice facility, they've got the banners also in there. So if you're a media covering something, you get a look at a practice, you can see all that stuff. And I swear there's just an ominous space on the one banner for Final Fours. Like, you can tell that a number is supposed mm-hmm. to be there. They just kind of left a gap. It's like they want you to know that it still happened, which I'm, because I'm it fine did. with. Like, Leave the gap, but you can't put the numbers, the numerals up there. It's quite funny. That's like I was on Winsipedia today for our, uh, our local show here in town, and I was looking at you know some of the records Ohio State has in football against certain teams, and they have Arkansas 0-0. Zero zero. I'm like, no, that's not true, but whatever. Yeah. I, oh, I, and the the Mitchell twins yeah. too. You're right. You were all over that. <laughs> Left Maryland. Who is it? Mackay. Mackay and McCall. One of them Mikkel. was one of them was like a top fifty player. The other one was kind of in the late one hundreds, early two hundreds in their there recruiting go. class. Yeah, You're you, on it, you, man. You hit one and then you completely blow up another one. It is what it is. All right. Before uh, we get out in this twenty sixth episode here, we'll do another quick breather. We'll collect ourselves. I got to yell at the NCAA for one more thing. And I can't then we're wait. Gonna pl- we're going to play the fun game. That, that's that's going to happen. Mid-major or not a mid-major. And whatever evil says goes. That's the answer. Like, it's it's all it's him. He's the expert in this realm. Oh, so let it be. That. No, that's how it is, man. That's coming up. It's Mad About Hoops. I am loving it. Evil, talking college basketball with you. It just feels so good. Uh, it, it feels so good when you make me laugh. I'll tell you that. <laughs> and everybody out there listening who has enjoyed this podcast, we appreciate you too. Appreciate you. So please leave us a review. Give us a rating. 
and tell your friends any podcast whatever podcast platform is their go-to whatever they've got on their mobile we we are there we're, we're pretty much there just search it up mad about hoops you'll see the stupid little logo that i made in like 10 seconds on microsoft publisher and that's that's about it so we appreciate it i uh I was telling you, we're going to have a really cool guy on our uh, local radio show. You know, I, I host uh, this thing called the Buckeye Show in mm-hmm. Columbus, Ohio, uh, right here on 97.1 The Fan. That's where this whole podcast network has stemmed from. And Joey Lane was one of these just career bench dudes in the Big Ten. But, I mean, he's cooler than you and me because he played in the Big Ten. And he's going to come on tonight. So I might get some updates about this situation that I'm going to yell at the NCAA about. But I uh, I just wanted to give his his podcast a little plug, too, because this guy is, is a funny dude, smart dude. And his is called Drive the Lane. And so that's more of that like Mark Titus approach where Mark's right. made such a big name for himself. These guys that have a little bit of uh, insight and perspective. And you were saying I could probably maybe parlay my <laughs> my days as a collegiate broadcaster or something. I could just totally bullshit people and say that I was a former voice of the Kansas Jayhawks. You and, and I, yeah, In you a could. sense, it's true. You know, for a few games a season, I did that. Maybe five to ten games a season. I got to call games at the Fieldhouse for two, three years. That's amazing. Now you should, anytime you can get some type of publicity, go for it. I'm for it. It's just it's total bullshit. That's all it is. But that's it's fine. I did do it. The funny thing is, and they tell you this, if you go to like a, a, a cool school like that, you go to Ohio State, you go to Kansas where the sports are so big and you get all these avenues in student media, right? you will feel like your job is like at the pinnacle. And then you leave and you're like, oh, God, it's like I just went from being Chris Berman yeah. to being a, a janitor yeah, at an elementary dude, school. I, I felt, I felt that because I, I did lantern stuff for about a year and a half back over at Ohio State. And it's... That's exactly how it feels. You you just worded it perfectly. It's all about the climb, man. It's all about the climb. So Jimmy Sotos, he mm. is a Bucknell transfer guard. Dude looks like he can be a player. I mean, you don't. I like you him. don't get yep. you don't get the invitation to step up to Big Ten basketball unless guys uh, think you can handle it. And we know, we know what Chris Holtman's eye for talent is. We, we know all about the Holtman, and this is what has got me nuts. In a year where the NCAA has rightfully decided to just give a blanket waiver to every single athlete, this will be tricky to sort out in the future, but they made the right call because it's a pandemic. We don't know what the season is going to be like. Everyone who's playing this year, you know what? It doesn't count against your eligibility unless we got to find the answers to what if you're redshirting? What if this redshirt year still counts as a redshirt year for you? And then you still just have the one year. Is Jimmy Sotos going to get two extra years after this one? He freaking better. That's what I'm saying right now. He freaking better if that's what they're doing. They denied his waiver to play immediately upon a transfer. And evil, they're even talking about finally processing the one-time transfer rule. Yeah. They're about to do it anyway. Just grant all the waivers here under the pandemic. Do it for everyone in college sports, every single sport, everywhere, just grant it. Forget about, you know, bickering over details with why you're doing it. Just let them in and let's move on with our lives. Yeah, this has been a hot topic button, or this has been a hot topic for everybody, but I don't really understand the logic behind this. So you're going to go starting next school year, you're likely going to put in this new rule that puts a blanket waiver, one-time transfer for every single sport. Great. 
but why are you still very stingy on picking and choosing which waiver you accept or you deny like a couple months away from that even happening? Like, I just don't understand. I don't understand why we're still using the no rules method of just deciding which waiver goes through and which one doesn't because I don't, I don't know if it's public or maybe at least Ohio state knows or not why this waiver was denied because I'm, I'm struggling to figure out why this one gets denied and other ones get accepted that are pretty much in the same, like Kentucky's got a similar guy that they just brought in and like a week before Jimmy's got denied, he got accepted. Right. And there really yeah. wasn't a whole lot of difference between their path to no. get where they got to. And you know what? It doesn't make it, sense. What's, what's strange is that it seems like the higher profile guy you yep. are, the easier it is to get it processed. DJ Carton gets processed, right? Like what? It, Alex O'Connell goes from Duke to Creighton, doesn't get it. There was a famous story, and don't don't yell at me for not remembering the name. It's not <laughs> it's not the moral or the point. The the point is in the details. Picture like an old Dominion type of program. All right, okay, one that you hardly ever think about unless you're a nut like you or me, because the Monarchs, <laughs> baby, mid mid major madness, right? So a guy transfers to ODU, but it had been a couple of years. He came from Clemson, right? And then all of a sudden he thinks he's going into his final season of basketball and the NCAA determines that because he played in one closed door practice, like the secret practice leading into a season, didn't actually suit up in any actual real game. They took away an entire year of eligibility, the back end of his career. A guy in the CAA that finally had mustered up like the the will to be a, you know, 11 to 12 point per game guy. You know, a good teammate, guy like that, someone that the NCAA shouldn't really even care about, right? It's like, what, what are you, what are you caring so much about a Jimmy Soto? So this is a guy that would come into Ohio State and just provide depth and be maybe a quality player. He's not one of these high-profile guys. These, the guys that are lost in the fold that aren't big-time players, those are the ones that you shouldn't be studying and going over with a fine-tooth comb. If anything, it's the big high-profile cases. That's where all the eyeballs are on. That's where people want to make sure that you are being fair and judging each case accordingly. So the problem that's me with, yelling yeah, at the NCAA The, the problem with basketball, kind of the topic you, went, you were talking about with the Old Dominion guy, I don't Remember hearing a story like that, but if that's the case, that's horrendous. But um, it was one of the worst. It's one of the worst feelings I ever had, like for a student athlete. Oh, when I course. read that story, and I'm like, wait, you couldn't just say, okay, maybe you have to sit out the first game of the season. You know, like wh- seriously, what's something that's fair? Yeah, like this guy was still in school, was still able to like, you know focus on his academics and work towards a degree, maybe his master's degree at the time, and still play the game that he loves. Someone that's not even sniffing the NBA, maybe not even a guy that gets shot a shot to play, you know, serious pro ball internationally, and they take that year away from him. For what? Yeah, I, I mean, you can even look at just the red-shirting method alone with the differences between college basketball and college football. We know in football you get four games. In a normal season, you get four games, you can play that, then you can't play anymore. And then you can get that right shirt year. In basketball, we hear like these artificial artificial numbers of like, well, you can only play like thirty percent, and then oh, we got to see, we got to decide, then we got to put in a waiver and see. If, no, that doesn't make any sense. There's no clear outline on what qualifies you for a waiver of any type, and it's just it's it's frustrating that we have to 
you know, kind of dance around for a few more months pretending like we still have to go by this method until we finally get an answer in January. Like, it's just, it's it's dumb. It doesn't have any precedence for what we're going through because there is no precedence. It was never set because we go back and forth on it whether we accept or deny these. And I get it. Your frustration, I share mm-hmm. it too, and I'm sure Ohio State does too, which is why they're appealing it. it right now. I hate it. And I'll ask Joey Lane, who used to play at Ohio State, uh, today about it. Uh, we're recording this on October 29th, so you won't hear back today. But when we record episode 27, we'll probably do it next week. And we're going to do a big, fat Big East basketball preview. So that'll be exciting. So tell your friends that went to Big East schools. We'll talk Nova. We'll talk Marquette and Georgetown and Butler and all the others. It'll be fantastic. And really so, quick, this yeah. is this is crucial because he's a point guard. And this is a guy that you can put in yeah, pair guard depth with C.J. Walker. Because I, I know Dwayne Washington can't play the point. But realistically, you don't want him to. You want him to play in that two spot where he can spot up and shoot. Mm-hmm. And have a rotation with Walker I think is really good. It's something we could miss this year if we don't have Sotos. I agree. And uh, the Buckeyes in a very competitive conference need all that they can get right now. Every Big Ten team does with how good all these squads are. So if you're, if you're about done with our ramblings for this episode, uh, have no fear. We're at the end. But before we go, enjoy uh, this toss-up. And you'll find yourself having lots of feelings about where we go with these answers. And it's called Mid-Major or not a mid-major. And we apologize in advance if we've offended anyone, but literally any guest we've ever had on the pod from a mid-major school. Uh, we talked to a couple of players in uh, last season's edition. We had uh, the kid on from Belmont, who is from Central Ohio, who is fantastic. We had an assistant coach from uh, a CAA school Hofstra, on here as well, yeah. from Hofstra. None of them get offended by this. It's almost like a badge of honor. So well, here we, we go. Ask, yeah, we ask them all. Yeah, yeah, we ask them all. That's one of the prime questions. Like, do you get offended by being called a mid-major? And they're like, no. They no, embrace it. Most of it's them endearing. embrace it, yeah. Is what it is. But uh, college hoops fans, they they go back and forth about this, and there's a lot of offense among fan bases with what, how your, what your moniker is. So here we go. The number one, you knew it was going to start with this, Gonzaga, mid-major, not a mid-major. All right, so obviously the first category in what I look at is conference, which, I mean, you can't get more mid-major than the conference they're in. The problem is is that they've shown a consistency of meeting the expectation of playing against the big dogs in any chance they get, which I, I can't remember the last time Gonzaga's just been wiped from the floor. I think they lost by 18 to Michigan down in that uh, battle for Atlantis, but it didn't seem like it was a complete blowout at the time. Michigan just mm-hmm. was hot. you got to give them the credit. Um, so what's the pick? I, I'm saying not a mid-major. Not a mid-major. Correct. Number two, VCU, Virginia Commonwealth. I think that was a case of a hot streak. You know, Shaka Smart got them to compete at a level, but they have since fallen back a little bit. I think this is clear. They're in the A-10. The A-10 is a mid-major conference. They are a mid-major. A-10 is a mid-major conference. Yes. Did you hear that, A-10 fans? Whoa, But here's boy. the thing. If you ask, <laughs> is, is UD on your list? Because I'm... Uh, we'll see. I have an answer. Little thing called we'll see. <laughs> Number three, Houston. Not Houston. Houston. I don't consider the American a mid-major, so that already helps them out, and I like what Calvin Sampson's done down there. They're, big mi- city. they're not. They are not a mid-major. Not. All right. Big city, uh, proud history at Houston. Number four, Wichita State. Oh, that's tough. Um, <laughs> if if you would have asked me this about... You're in the American now. Yes. Um, man... 
could you ask me this in like a couple months if I know Greg Marshall's still there? Nope. Nope. <laughs> all right. So if I got to assume he's still coaching, I'm going to say not a mid-major, but if he gets fired because of all this investigation stuff, they're going to fall right back into a mid-major. Interesting. Number five, Dayton. <laughs> Dayton. No, I, I, I respect Dayton. I, I think Dayton, if you put them in the biggies where they should be, and we could have a full 50-minute podcast on why Dayton needs to move to the biggies right away. Uh, yes, they're in a mid-major conference, but no, they are not a mid-major. And Anthony out Grant has Anthony Grant has mm. done a great job of carrying them out of that label if you thought they were already in it. Out of the mid-major mold. Maybe they can fluctuate. Their fan base, though, they have major oh, college that's, basketball that's crowds. That's a major fan that's base. That's the thing. That is yeah. a major fan base. And it's it's up there nationally. Number six, Cincinnati. No, Cincinnati's history. No, there's there's no way I could put them in the the uh, mid major category. They are definitely not a mid major. Good, good. Proud of that answer. Number seven, Temple. Man, I know why you're asking this. Um, because <laughs> they suck now. They you know? suck now, but man, back in the day, back in the day, I right. I, oh, man, they're kind of like a tweener. Like you don't know what to do with them. <laughs> I will uh, – curr- currently they're a mid-major in terms of below-average talent. Uh, y- yeah, I'll go mid-major for now, but Temple, I don't feel good doing it. mid-major. You're a mid-major, Owls. Last two, eight, DePaul. Yeah, I, I mean, again, they have some history. They, they actually had a pretty decent team last year. They beat the crap out of my Butler team, but they just weren't consistent. They were um, three and fifteen in the conference. They started out hot in the non-con. They, they were. They started they out were hot. Three and fifteen. They had a pretty decent team. They had some decent players, but yeah, I'm gonna say a mid-major. Last one, San Diego State. Let's go out west. Man, it's it, this kind of feels like a depends on the year you ask yourself, but they get the talent. I think Dutcher can keep things going there. Um. I would like to see them be a little more prevalent on the national scale, especially in the tournament. I'm going to say not a mid-major for now. There you have it. You know, I don't want to I don't want to get into my complete rule book on what constitutes mid-majors and what doesn't. That's for another pod. <laughs> for your answers are ironclad. So uh, that's how that goes. That's that's very good. Evil, I appreciate it. Fun pod today, man. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, you know what? It, it feels like every time we come back on, it kind of rejuvenates everything that I'm thinking in my head about basketball because it kind of goes dormant because we all get stuck in the wave of, you know, whether it's football or baseball or basketball. They're all happening at once. The NBA, they kind of get all smushed in there. And you don't. College basketball kind of goes to the back of your brain. I think every time we come back and talk a little bit more about it is the more it comes to the forefront of my brain. And I enjoy that because, we're, like I said, we're under a month until that ball is tipped. There's a lot to catch up on. Well, everyone, we appreciate it. Again, tell your friends, uh, search for us anywhere you get your podcasts, Mad About Hoops, give us a little rating, give us a review, uh, write us something there. We certainly appreciate it. And uh, we can't wait to talk to you guys again next week. A big, fat, Big East basketball preview among everything else that you'll be wanting at the time for what's going on in the sport that you love, college hoops. This has been Mad About Hoops.